everyone. My name is Ari and welcome to Made of Metal, a motivational podcast where we tell stories about regular people overcoming insurmountable odds. So hello, hello again. Wow. It seems like every week I am more and more excited to come together with you guys and share with you another incredible individual story. And again, as always, please send me some feedback. Let me know how you're liking it. Leave me a review. Send me an email. I'll be dropping those links into my show description. And please sign up for that newsletter. And you can, as always, check out our archive of episodes on madeofmetalpodcast.com. So today, the lovely lady we'll be speaking with today, super wonderful, super patient, and I really loved the conversation that we had had. So with that, hello, Leslie. Welcome to the show. Welcome. I'm so happy to have you on. Thank you very much. I'm really excited to be here. Thank you. We are really excited to have you. Me and Leslie have been working together on on trying to get together for quite some time. So... (laughs) The technical difficulties were rampant, but it's definitely meant to be. So, Leslie, I would love to jump right in. Absolutely. So with that, of course, I know you, but can you sort of introduce yourself a bit to the audience? Let them know what you're doing. Let them know what you were doing in the past, what you're doing now. Give them a little bit of timeline on on who you are. Perfect. Thank you very much. So my, as um, Ari was mentioning, my name is Leslie Rochelle, and I'm an intuitive leadership specialist. So I've actually taken all of these beautiful gifts that I've been given, along with all of the <laughs> enormous lessons and uh, blessings and um, experiences, to be able to bring that to the um, business space so that I can help essentially that earlier version of myself, um, having gone through an enormous number of challenges coming up through through my career being the first visible female leader at our um, site location. I worked for an energy company, which is incredibly male-dominated. Mm-hmm. And being in that space of really trying to find my voice and try to fit in with who, really with who my authentic leader actually was, uh, was, was really challenging at first because there was no other women for me to go to. And it left me in that mimicking space which is not a good space to be in it's like I like how this person does this thing and you try it that way and it just doesn't work out very well for you Mm, and it really got me to that place of being heavy in that masculine energy Mm. and I got depleted like utterly depleted would take me two days to recover from my seven day shift um, and it left me at one point in time really on my knees saying something, something has to change here and really realizing that it was nothing external that was going to change any of the situation. Um, it was really all that internal uh, work that I got to start doing and really I haven't ever, ever stopped because the expansion has been really incredible from that surviving to that thriving type of, type of that place. Oh gosh, I love that pipeline. I love the survivor to thriver pipeline, always. So I'm super curious, Had did you have any experience essentially being in leadership positions previously? Although I know leadership positions in a male-dominated industry are very, very different. Yeah, I had had some supervisory or managerial type of duties prior to the role that I had been uh, offered, which I declined at first because it was one of these things I was like oh 
they had told me, you're not a tradesperson, you're never going to get into a coordinator role in the first place. So it's not something that I had actually ever, I know. <laughs> it's a little old school. However, not old school, classic, vintage, not old school. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And you know, it, it was probably my first time really understanding the differences between those three spaces, being a supervisor, a manager, or a leader. And it was certainly interesting <laughs> getting, getting into that space. Tell because us, it tell was us a- about that transition period, because that is, I'm sure, super uncomfortable, super brand new. I would love to hear about that. Yeah, super brand new. And it was, again, it was one of those things that I said no to at first until they had explained it to me. Because my thought on that was, oh, I can't sit in their seats. So I I had a beautiful group of uh, professional planners and schedulers from a mechanical type of perspective, which Mm -hmm. I am not. Yeah. (laughs) So I couldn't sit in their seats. And so I had declined the the offer in the first place to, to lead the team because I said, well, I can't. I can't replace them if they're actually sick. And they said, no, that's not what we're actually wanting you to do. And it was somebody who had really um, believed in me. He was the person that had believed in me saying, we see so much potential in you that we actually want you to lead this team. And I thought, oh, well, you know, why not? Like, what's the worst that could happen? Which was kind of a loaded question in hindsight. Yeah. Because <laughs> I found out. <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> It was really coming into that space of I'm coming into people who used to be my peers and now I'm coming into a space that people are like, we don't understand why she's here because she's not one of us. Oh, yes. So, you know, there were those comments of how did she get that job? And it's like, okay, so how do I defend that? How do I answer that Mm. question? At the beginning, I did not know how to answer that question. Mm -hmm. I most certainly did as I went on um, with that. And one thing that, because they didn't, they didn't quite know what to do with me either. I came into a team that had silos set up. So they were competing against each other for production for, um, you know, that was tied to the bonus that was tied Mm -hmm. to all these things. And when I came in there, I took it all away because I saw that they weren't working as a team. They were working as individual contributors working for the same department. Oh, wow. People working in the same department doesn't make them a team. That's huge. Wow. And that's like one of the first things that you did when you sort of came in that position. Yeah. Well, I, I, I took a little bit of time for me to get comfortable within that position because I wasn't confident in myself. Like I knew that I had something there mm-hmm. uh, and it really was me becoming a little bit more comfortable. And during that time, I was able to observe. I was able to develop the relationships. I was able to, you know, um, come in there and legitimately care about the people that I actually work with with right so um they were never subordinates they were never direct reports you know we were all part of a team we all just had simply we had different positions within that department and some of the hardest conversations were those things those challenges and it's always the case that help you to grow quicker uh, when you can come to a resolve and have be be confident enough to have those conversations to say hey you keep going this way things are not going to look good for you Oh, so that's a very blunt conversation. Oh, yeah. That was one that absolutely needed to happen. This is somebody that had uh, brought um, previous experiences, bad experiences to a new position and was kind of expecting the same sort of thing. 
And uh, we had to have a tough conversation, crucial conversation, if you will, about Uh that. And Mm -hmm. from then, um, you know, there was a, she she absolutely um, started to thrive after that conversation. Because there are some, you know, come to Jesus Uh conversations, like this, something has to change here. Otherwise, you're going to be in big trouble here, you know, with with your career. So let's, let's actually make those changes. And it took a lot of time. Uh, to be able to do that because this is all interpersonal skills this is uh, belief itself those types of things and mm-hmm. um yeah so we did that and success story absolutely success oh my story. gosh yeah. I can see number one I can see that you're very invested and engaged in your work number one and I'm curious does being intuitive sort of help you be sort of connect with the people you work with, sort of connect to your daily, you know, purpose? How does being an intuitive sort of give you a bit of an advantage? It allows me to kind of understand people on a bit of a deeper level that maybe they even understand themselves on a deeper level. Oh, wow. Now, that that, that intuitive piece is something that I needed because coming from a corporate space, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's like, okay, so this is, you know, and, and discovering, okay, okay, this is why I know the things that I actually know. Um, you know, there's things that happen at work and they're like, oh, I wonder who that was. And I just intuitively knew who it was. I intuitively knew how people are actually doing um, those types of things and really be able to work with someone and help them discover their own greatest potential that I know what it is. It's just simply a matter of me allowing them to find it. Because if you come up and say, hey, here's what it is, it can actually scare people about the power that they actually hold within themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So... The, okay, inner power, resilience, sort of building up that self-actualization, embodiment. How does one, I guess, even get in touch with that? I mean, I know working with you as an intuitive, you'll be sort of a guide for, for people. But how does somebody who doesn't necessarily have an intuitive guide, are they able to sort of connect with that personal purpose and personal power on sort of the, the spiritual level without any experience? Yes, and I, and I truly believe that they are, and, and it's because we are all at a different stage in life. So, without going into spiral dynamics, and it's really about um, the evolution of civilizations and uh, where people are actually at within their stages. Some people are there's no bad stage, by the way. Uh, there's just some people that are at different stages in the game where it allows people to tap deeper into their soul versus their mind right your mind is only going to get you so far so one of the things to do is to really tap into your heart space so ego is here right and it's doing its job it's our friend it's it's, you know it is trying to keep us it is trying to keep us safe and sometimes we just have to tell it say you know thanks for what you're trying to do here and and it's now time for you to actually take a back seat while i go forth and that's that courage piece to, to allow yourself to go forward, but really mm-hmm. dropping from your head into your heart space. And you can do that as easily as, you know, doing, doing some breathing techniques. And instead of focusing here, put your hand on your heart space when you are um, trying to make a decision on something and just really get quiet and see what your body has to tell you. Oh, so it's really all about sort of connecting with that internal heart space and that yeah. internal sort of guide. Yeah, and that's really the, the you know the very start of it is mm-hmm. um, understanding that everyone has all the answers that they need within them. It's just a matter of going in there and getting them. 
Ah, gosh. And having to sort of recognize that you even have the ability to go in there and get them. How? So when did you sort of discover that you, especially in a corporate world application, being a woman coming into this male-dominated space, did you already feel that you were intuitive? Had you already sort of established that within yourself and you were just applying it in your work at that point? I was unknowingly applying it at that point oh, in time. Until oh I, my gosh, tell us about that. That is interesting. It's one of these things, like you're in my head, like how do you know what I'm thinking? Mm-hmm. Which is which is quite interesting. It's like, I don't know, it's just, I just know this stuff, right? Oh um, gosh, yeah. Yeah, and it's, and, you know, telling people that, you know, this is these are the things that you can actually do, like have you considered this, that, and the other thing? And it was really unconscious. And in that corporate space, my language does change to have some of the same meanings to it, but a language that they understand better so that they'll resonate more, that they'll resonate more with. It wasn't until probably the last few years that I've really just like that really gone, oh, that's why. Mm-hmm. That's why it is. Yeah, I send things in magic and I can change the channels by myself, which I can't, which is super funny. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Are you Matilda? <laughs> Don't lie. I, I know everything. <laughs> Mama got this. <laughs> so when you say, coming back to what you just said in terms of, uh, I had to change the language a little bit to sort of make it resonate. What did you, what do you mean by that? Like what sort of language is different between, I guess, the intuitive and the corporate? It could be uh, simple things versus instead of me saying, let's look at the alignment of this, it's let's look at the fit of this, oh. right? It could be um, yes. talking about cause and effect and using it more in the sense of, you know, there are those who live in cause and those who live in effect and there's those who, and then there's, it's a beautiful marriage of those ones. And you, it's more beneficial if you're living in that cause, which is, Radical responsibility of your life and taking mm-hmm. full 100% responsibility of where you're at, whether it's good, bad, ugly. Otherwise, how you've grown up, the environment that you've been in, the experiences that you've had, or you can actually live more so on the effect side, which is that victimhood, uh, which is not really a good place. Blaming everything and everyone for every situation that you've been in because of where you currently are at. And it's all about choice, right? So sometimes when I speak about those things, it's giving people examples of, um, you know, what that looks like in the corporate world, right? Versus mm-hmm. kind of the, or, or, or really try and keep it uh, high level. Thankfully, yeah. uh, the, company, the, the corporate company that I do still support um, within our particular team as well, we're leaps and bounds above the others, but we do talk about diversity, inclusion, mental health, um, all these types of things. And the conversations were really difficult for some at first. They become a lot easier because it's more of the norm now. As well. Oh gosh, yeah. P- meeting people where they are is that sort of the the core of it? Yeah, it's speaking to people how they like to be spoken to, not how you like to speak to them. Oh man, which is a very <laughs> I can attest to myself that I do that a lot, and it's like you think. I mean, I I've studied communications, um, English language. So I understand that language is very subjective and I do understand that, but it'll be things that you're like, 
how could this person misinterpret this? How could they possibly, you know, get this meaning from what I'm saying when there's only one meaning, but it, it's changing the perspective and the mindset into thinking there's only one meaning. There is not. There's not. There's multiple meanings to everything. And being mindful of that will help you so much in communicating and connecting with people. I, But you know that already. You're an intuitive. So that's kind of like, yes. have you always kind of known this information in terms of con- connecting with people? Yes. I've always been that, I guess, the older soul, different from the rest of my family. I even had a cousin that said, where did Leslie come from? Like, she's just not like the rest <laughs> of us. <right?"> <laughs> so I was like, okay, all right. <laughs> I feel like all cousins have to say that though. Like, where yeah. <laughs> where did these guys come from? Because yeah, <laughs> yeah. So there's always been this kind of this older soul, and really, when you come back to that, I just want to touch on your meaning point. Is the meaning anything has it? Is the meaning that we give it right? So how we choose to actually to receive that information and the meaning um, that we associate with us, mm-hmm. and that meaning to us is right. Whether it's been misinterpreted or not, that meaning to us is actually right. Unless you can um, reinterpret that and, and give that to them in a different way, because sometimes when you have, let's say you have, let's say you have this, the same conversation with somebody three times and they're still not understanding, you haven't had the right conversation because you're not delivering the message in the best way that they can receive that message. Oh man, you're exactly right because you've been having two different conversations the whole time, pretty much. They're having one conversation and you're having another. That's right. Wow. So just in terms of your family, are you sort of the only one who's kind of like in touch with this part of yourself who's kind of like, I've always been, you know, this way, but I'm sort of stepping into it? Yeah. My mom has um, some tendencies and then my grandmother as well. And then her, her, uh, her grandfather. So she has a picture of her, uh, I have a picture of my grandmother on my wall. Uh, Amazing woman. She was an entertainer in the war and she actually used to, she would help spirits cross over. So those ones that were kind of stuck would actually come to her. So they would actually, she would help them cross over. And then her father was so my great grandfather mm-hmm. people would actually write to him because you know there was no email back then they would write to him and he would um do the horoscopes and send them off so there is some oh lineage God, there as well that is incredible that is incredible wow i mean yes that is so incredible that it's literally passing down from generation to generation in which you guys are all sort of embracing and tapping into this, but also for the greater good to you're literally using your gifts to help people. Yes. I'm I'm such a firm believer in, and this is one of the reasons why I started it in the first place. And I know what's part of my purpose Mm -hmm. is to really up level the leadership standards that we have. Cause I, I don't know anybody who thinks that the leadership anywhere (laughs) that we have on a whole is satisfactory. Um, Oh gosh. Right. Because as we're again going through the, the different stages of civilization and evolution, we're at the stage right now where it's not that business corporate just do as I say. It is really about how can we connect the people that we that are within our charge to help them become the best versions of themselves, to help them feel seen, heard, valued. Um, have that sense of belonging with a shared sense of purpose and all doing it in a way with that shows empathy and uh, vulnerability in that workspace as well. Vulnerability is not weak. Sometimes 
it's the hardest thing that you can do is to be able to let somebody in um, within something that maybe that you're actually challenged with. And it makes you human. It makes you more relatable. When you can do that, your team will do so much more for you. By default, they will. Because they know you have their back. Mm-hmm. I can... I can also attest to the importance of staying connected with your work, connected with the people you work with and staying connected with leadership. Exactly what you're saying, uh, the empathy, the, you know, valuing me as a human being, as opposed to, you know, a cog in the machine or just a worker. I feel like that has, you're exactly right. The culture of work has really shifted in that it's, you don't want to work under, you know, somebody who's essentially just like, go, go, go. You want to be with somebody who's like, Hey, like, I know what, what's, I know you're going through something last week, you know, maybe take it easy this week. Yeah, like it, it, it helps productivity. It helps efficiency. It helps longevity. It helps lower, you know, uh, turnover and uh, helps increase retention. All of those things that employers want from like the KPI, you know, revenue perspective. And it's all based in these soft skills and these understanding exactly what you're saying. Leadership being, you know, mindful and in tune as opposed to how they usually be or how it has been for quite some time, just sort of like aloof and separate. So that's right. Yeah. You are really, you're really hitting all of those main pillars that we need desperately <laughs> in the corporate world. And it's, and it's really going to take, it's really going to take, and I typically work with, um, you know, the, the new and aspiring leaders. Of course I do work with other people, other uh, leaders in business, entrepreneurial, that kind of thing as well. However, it's the next generation that's going to be coming up because what we really need others to understand or corporations to understand, businesses to understand is that the people that work for work for you, that you are paying to do a job, are the most important asset that you have. Hands down. It's not any of the technology you have. It's not any of the production that you're actually, the thing that you're actually making. It's um, the people within your organization. People don't leave an organization because, you know, we're, we hear about the great resignation, right? Yes. However, people are like, people aren't leaving the workforce. They just don't want to work at that company. Mm-hmm. So some will say, I'd rather not work for anybody right now until I find that place that I fit. I just don't want to work for that one. And these are people who've been with the company for like 20 plus years, 25 yeah. plus years. And they're just, they're seeing, you know, the, the waves of change coming and they're, they're hopping on it. And it's like, you can't even be mad at them because it's like, I have been with this company for 20 years, but I don't feel like I have. I'm not feeling valued or acknowledged or recognized like I have. So yeah. Wow, Leslie, I, I we could talk about this specifically <laughs> for a long time. But before we wrap up, I would love if you have anything that you want to share with the audience, anything you want to leave with the audience, please do. It's really important from that leadership perspective, regardless of how long you've been in that leadership perspective, to understand that leadership is in a class all of its own and how you can actually set those to be able to, I guess, go forth and make your greatest impact is to understand yourself first and foremost. There's no strategic or tactical thing that we can actually work on with you unless you know yourself first. So what actually drives you? What are the goals? What what is it that you actually uh, want to achieve uh, within your life and your career? Why do you want them in the first place? And this is something that I start all of um, all of my clients off with is let's actually okay, let's just leave this piece for now. Let's take you back to work on you first, 
so that it's like pulling an arrow back or an elastic, right? Like you have to be able to pull it back, figure this part out, and then when you let it go, it actually spread forth a lot lot quicker so that Mm -hmm. you can make your greatest impact within your lives because leadership is a life skill. Whether you have a team or not, we are all leaders. Um, Some people grab hold of that aspect and some people do not. You don't have to have people within your charge to consider yourself a leader because there's lots of leaders that have people within their charge that are not leaders. Yes. (laughs) Yes, it does go both ways for sure. So I love that. I love that number one, the, the coming back to yourself, starting with yourself. And I love that everyone is a leader. Everyone is a leader. You're the leader of your own life. You're the leader of where you want to go. And, you know, in the corporate aspect, of course, you know, leading in your in your department, leading, uh, having direct reports. The leader term is a, it can be applied in much more instances than I think people will think. And I think it all, like you said, it starts with yourself. Do you consider yourself a leader? Do you look in the mirror and say, that's a leader? Wow, that's, that's, that's very powerful. I'm really going to, I, I always say this because it's so true. I am going to literally try to incorporate this into my daily routine. And as in looking in the mirror and actually thinking of myself like as a leader, in what way can I embody leadership abilities? How can I be more empathetic? How can I be more visionary? I think we would all benefit for sort of really adopting that leadership mindset for not just for ourselves, but for the greater good. So. Because leadership is not a title, it is a way of being. Yes, 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 absolutely. So, Leslie, I literally cannot thank you enough for this super empowering, incredible, wonderful conversation about leadership, about intuitiveness, about being present and, you know, starting with yourself and working from there, embodying that leadership mindset. Thank you so much for coming on. I truly appreciate it. Thank you very much. I've had a really great time here today. Yes, me too. You're so welcome. And with that, everybody, I hope that you loved this pep talk on being a leader and that you are absorbing and um, understanding the core of what Leslie is saying in that it starts with you. Leadership is a mindset. It's about empathy. It's about connecting with yourself, with the people you work with. I really want you guys to to remember these. So, and Leslie, I'm going to be putting her information in the show description. So, check out that show description if you want to find out more about Leslie. And with that, everyone, just a friendly reminder: I love each and every one of you. And please do not forget to bloom where you are planted. Mm-hmm.